good morning to everyone. How are you today? Extra hour of sleep? Was that good? Okay. Glad a few of you are excited about that. My name is Ken. Uh, I am one of the pastors here, and I'm actually filling in for Pastor Kent today. He was supposed to preach, but he, was, he is homesick. And I got to thinking about it. You know, Kent stands in at about six foot eight, and on a good day, I'm 5'10. So I'm thinking maybe you got 75% of Kent today. And if you think about my name, which is Ken, it is even 75% of Kent. So we'll see. Maybe you'll get 75% of a good message this morning. Anyhow, um, now if you don't know much about my story, or if you're new to our church, I actually grew up absolutely terrified of public speaking. And I was asked to give a sermon for the very first time in 2004. And I can remember as that day approached and as the moment approached where I was supposed to walk up on stage praying to God, not for the sermon, but I said, God, if there was ever a great time for the rapture, it would be right now. You know, just take me home. Let's, uh, let's not get me up there on stage. And so you know, for, for years, I think I've had a little bit of a fear of public speaking. And for uh, this particular message, you know, on Friday, I found out that I, I would be speaking. So I spent most of yesterday uh, preparing. But one of my favorite verses is Psalm 23, 1, that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I will frequently paraphrase that verse. And I, and I say it this way, and I say it to myself as I'm going through hard times or have something that I don't think that I can do in and of myself. I'll say, God will give me everything I need to do everything he asks of me. And that is true for me, and that is true for you. And so uh, our God is in control. And uh, so we'll see what he does with this morning. Now, now, this may be a surprise to some of you, but I am working off of Pastor Kent's slides and his sermon notes, and somehow he managed to work a couple of acrostics into the sermon, so don't be surprised when you see those. But before I dive into the first acrostic, I just wanted to ask, how are you doing spiritually right now? How are your priorities? I mean, this has been a a hard year, right? There was something on Facebook that said, God, why did you have to add, in, in light of daily, daily, uh, daylight savings, why did you have to add an hour to the year 2020? You know, couldn't we just skip daylight savings? But, you know, we've been in the face of a global pandemic. Uh, we have seen volatile racial relationships in our country. We are in the midst of an election uh, just this week. There are some of you that have been working from home, never doing that before. There are some of you that have lost your jobs. There are some of you that are schooling from home. And there are just a lot of things going on. Some of us have had to distance ourselves from loved ones because we don't want to put them at risk or because of the rules that exist in an assisted living facility, for instance. So how are you doing spiritually right now? Would you say that your spiritual life right now is victorious, or are you feeling a little less than victorious? Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, had some words, has some words today, uh, that may be helpful for each one of us. In the passage today, Jesus offers us guidance on how to fly, how to fly in our walk with him. So go ahead and pull up the first one. Here is our first acrostic, ladies and gentlemen. Fast and pray appropriately, lay up treasures in heaven, 
and your eyes are critical. And today's passage is going to point out each and every one of those things. So let's look at today's passage. Today we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 24, uh, where Jesus teaches on fasting and laying up treasures in heaven and having healthy eyes. But this is really a passage about priorities, about what our priorities are, and the central priority being God Himself. And now one bonus is, I don't know how many of you have been engaging this way, but Pastor Seth, when he arrived here a few months back, really encouraged us to look ahead to the passage that we would be uh, studying the following week, the following Sunday. So consequently, last Tuesday, I was in a small group with some people, and we spent about 30 minutes uh, in this passage dialoguing over it. So this wasn't my first exposure uh, to what I'll be sharing on this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 24, it starts by saying, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, your fast, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." Now, I mentioned uh, just a few moments ago that this passage is about priorities. A Bible scholar, N.T. Wright, says, but the catch is that because God is loving and gentle and wants us to choose to love and serve Him freely rather than to be forced into it to live like a slave, we have to sort out our priorities. Our God gives us a choice as to whether or not to follow what He's saying here. So let's look at that first passage, when you fast, when you fast. You know, the when verbiage is consistent uh, with this portion of his sermon. But first, let's look at where we've been so far as, as Jesus has been sharing this Sermon on the Mount. So where Jesus has been during the Sermon on the Mount. In the Mount, or in the Sermon on the Mount, he made a number of you have heard it said, but I say to you statements. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Uh, If we back up a little ways, you have heard it said, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to the judgment. Jesus says, don't even dream about killing someone. Don't even let your mind go there. And then he says, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that when anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Jesus is telling us to make a covenant with our eyes, not to look lustfully on another person that is not in the context of a healthy marital relationship. And then he says, again, you have heard it said, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. He says, simply be people of your word. And he says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Jesus says, not revenge, not even justice, but he says, mercy is the way of the cross. Then he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Don't fight back, love back. In each and every scenario, Jesus raises the bar. And his ways are so higher than ours, so much higher than ours. And then he makes three when you statements, when you. It says, when you give to the needy. When you give to the needy, he says, do it quietly, not for praise, but to help out people out of the overflow of the love that you have received from Jesus. And then he says, when you give to the needy, and then he goes on to say, when you pray. Again, don't make a show of it. Don't use fancy language. Go to, go to a place where you can get quiet with God, bring your real authentic self to him. And then as Pastor Seth shared last week, pray big pray now and pray specifically. And today, today, when you fast. Verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. Their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward. Uh, the word, actually, go back one slide. The word hypocrites there uh, is the same one I believe that Pastor Seth has been talking about, that as actors, players, don't be a play actor. Don't put on a show when you go to fast. And then disfigure their faces actually refers to, they would mess their hair up and they'd put ashes on their face so that people saw them walking down the street looking as if, as if they were, um, well, everybody would know they were fasting. They wanted to get the glory, they, praise of people as opposed to fasting simply to please their God. And in Jesus' day, the Pharisees would fast twice a week, and some of them would do it uh, as a way of showing how holy they were. And so in some ways, they were making others feel like less as they fasted and they walked the streets with their hair a mess and ashes on their face. And I got to thinking about this. Have you ever said something or done something to make yourself look more holy or righteous? I mean, I know I have on different occasions. And then even possibly worse, have you done something or said something to emphasize your holiness in an effort to make another person feel like less than, make them feel a little less lo uh, lovable, not quite living up to God's standards, or if you got real, not God's standards, but your standards of God's judgment. Then Jesus goes on, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So take a shower, put on your normal clothes. Don't make it some sort of special day where you're putting on a show. Just go on and live your everyday normal life. But he's actually communicating like there's a humility to this. This is supposed to be just between you and God when you fast. 
These are character traits. He says, don't fast for show. Don't even let people know you're fasting. And our fasting our fasting's about our relationship with God. The reason we fast is to connect with God. And so we fast and pray in secret, just between you and God. But too often we switch these words around, fast and pray, and we pray fast, don't we? We pray fast. I don't know about you, uh, but that seems to be a practice I'm frequently in, to pray fast. But Jesus invites us into a relationship with Him. He invites us to slow down. He says, be still and know that I am God. You know, we are human beings, right? We're not human doings. And God asks us to slow down and to just be with Him, to be in His presence and allow Him to refill our empty cups. So I wanted to give you all a definition of fasting. Definition of fasting, to voluntarily, voluntarily abstain from food, drink, or other activities to deepen a person's communion with God and strive towards spiritual maturity. And so we fast to grow our communion with God, and we give something up as we do that. But it's like, I got to think, like, why should we fast? Why is this so important? Well, here's 10 purposes for fasting. Uh, The first is this, to strengthen prayer. There is something about when you fast. It sharpens your focus. It takes your uh, attention and puts it more squarely on God and His kingdom, and it reminds us of our need for Him. Another reason is to to seek God's guidance. Uh, Maybe you've got a big decision to make or a hard decision to make, and people will stop and they will pray and fast, asking God for clear direction in that decision. Another reason is to express grief. Sometimes people will fast because they've lost a loved one or they have a wayward child or they're sad or devastated over something that has happened. And then another reason is to seek deliverance or protection. You know, we don't frequently have to worry about uh, protection or persecution in our scenario, but many of our missionary friends who serve overseas do. Uh, there was a, a time in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 where King Jehoshaphat, uh, he, was, he was leading uh, the Israelites in Judah, and the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Maonites declared war on the Israelites, and they were all going to attack. So all of these armies had gathered, and he asked the people to pray for all of the Israelite people to fast and pray and ask for protection. And in verse 22 of that chapter, it says, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among these themselves. And these guys actually turned on one another. And by the time the Israelites got out there, every single one of them lay dead on the ground because these guys had all killed each other in answer to, God, in answer to their fasting and prayer. Another reason is to express repentance and return to God. You know, sometimes we just need to get serious with our God and to ask Him for forgiveness. And sometimes praying and fasting takes us to a place that just uh, simple words alone won't. And we experience more of God's forgiveness uh, through that. Another reason is to humble oneself before God. You know, when we fast and we pray, uh, it's a reminder that God is our provider 
It's also a reminder that we don't need all the things that we feel like we need every day. It's a way of saying that, God, I don't have all the answers, and I need your direction. I need you, the provider of all, and it actually humbles us. Another reason is to concern or to express concern for the work of God. You know, perhaps you are, you're one that has fasted and prayed for a new church plant, a church plant that would impact a community. Or when we think about Operation Christmas Child, you know, you could fast and pray over the families that are going to gather those gifts, and you could pray that God would would create generosity in the hearts and minds of children as they gather gifts to give away to kids they don't even know. And then you can fast and pray and ask God to use those boxes and those gifts to be delivered to kids we don't even know in a different part of the world. And then for them to hear the gospel of Jesus and to have their lives transformed by Him and to put their faith and trust in Him. And so we can, we can pray to express concern for the work of God. It's also to minister to the needs of others. You know, fasting and praying for someone who's ill or maybe whose life is in shambles or perhaps to pray for someone uh, because you know that they're seeking God's direction and you actually fast and pray for them that God would give them clarity in the way that they should go. The ninth reason is to, to overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God. You know, maybe you struggle with anger or, or, or maybe the draw of the refrigerator or maybe it's spending or a substance or a destructive habit. What would happen if you stopped and you fasted and you prayed and you got so serious with God to ask Him to deliver you from this and if through that He met you in ways that He'd never met you before, and he released you from the grip of whatever that was. And then the tenth is to express love and worship for God. You know, sometimes we just fast and pray because we want to worship our God, because we want to focus in on him and allow him to do only what he can do in our hearts and minds. It's a way to simply say, I trust you, God, and I want to focus on you and your ways. So here's a neat way to think about fasting, and it comes from, believe it or not, an acrostic. And it just happens to spell fast. So fast on, uh, focus on God, focus on God. You know, fasting uh, should first and foremost be about our relationship with God. Fasting is not about dieting or punishing ourselves. Fasting is about focusing on our relationship with God and giving something up in order to focus our minds and our hearts on Him. The second is to abstain from something, abstain from something. Uh, maybe it's food. Maybe it's the news because you know that takes you down a wormhole. Maybe it's social media. Uh, maybe for you it's Amazon. You actually, you just have a, a propensity to constantly buy things and you use that to fill your bucket. Maybe it's TikTok or YouTube or Netflix. Maybe it's alcohol or college football. You know, what distracts you from time with Jesus? What serves as a substitute? Filling a void that Jesus was meant to fill. What if you fasted from it and dedicated that time that you would spend doing that, praying and focusing on Jesus instead? And then the S is for set a time goal. Uh, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a half a day 
or a day or a week or a month or a season, but set a time and say, Lord, I am going to give up this thing. I'm going to fast from this, and I want to spend this time growing closer to you and being with you and hearing from you. And then the T is tell no one. You know, just keep it between you and God. Keep it between you and God. What might happen if your life, if in your life this became a regular rhythm with Jesus? What if you gave up something and filled that space to have time with God? So fast and pray appropriately. Fast and pray appropriately. And fasting may inform these next verses. Uh, Lay up your treasures in heaven. Lay up your treasures in heaven. God gives us a choice, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and through 21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Kids, there is a good chance that you have no idea why people would be concerned about moths. Now, I grew up in an era where when I showed up at Grandma and Grandpa's house, the first smell I came across as I walked in the house was that of mothballs. Now, they're tricky little critters because they look like candy, but you do not want to eat these things. But moths actually will lay eggs in clothing, clothing that's made of wool, made of cashmere, made of silk, and it will eat away that clothing. So when Jesus was talking to these folks, they were very familiar with how moths could ruin clothes. And then when you think about rust, think about how I never had this experience, but maybe some of you have. Um, Ten years ago, maybe, you bought that $50,000 Chevy Silverado, and that thing looked beautiful, and you were so psyched to have this vehicle. But now rust is taking away the floorboards, the running boards, and it doesn't look quite as pretty as it did once before. And it starts to get eaten up and destroyed Or maybe you finally got that 70-inch flat-screen TV with the surround sound. You've got your man cave just decked out exactly the way you want it. And you come home after a vacation and somebody's stolen it and everything's gone. And so Jesus says, do not lay our treasures up on earth because all of this stuff can be stripped away. All of this stuff can be taken away. He says instead, he says instead to store up your treasures in heaven. Where you invest is where you gain interest. Where you invest is where you gain interest. You know, our treasures on earth may be our job. It may be our retirement account. It may be our kids or our kids' kids. It may be our home or our status or our community, uh, our status in the community or in our family. And all of those things are good things. But storing up in tre- treasure in heaven isn't just about life after death. It's about life right now. It's about bringing up there, down here. It's about living and loving for Jesus. Treasure in heaven. You know, we talk here as a church about living lives of love with God in community and on mission. And we recently have started using the phrase cave time, the table, and the road. What if you are storing up your treasures in heaven, that cave time, that's spending time with God, 
that's praying to God, that's reading His Word, that's being in worship, that's journaling about Him, whatever it might look for, like for you. But are you working on your relationship with God? And then the table time is relationship with others, building friendships, breathing into other people, iron sharpening iron, caring for one another. And then, so, so you've got uh, time with God, time with people, and then you've got uh, the road, which is all about serving people and serving God. Are you investing in those things, and are you gaining interest in those ways? Are you storing up treasures in heaven where you're making an impact for Christ and His kingdom, where you are drawing other people to the goodness and love of Jesus, where you are helping being balm to those that are uh, hurt, hurt or broken? You know, those are foundational to our discipleship with Jesus, getting to know Him better, inviting Him to change us from the inside out, building our trust in Him and His ways. So lay up treasures in heaven. Then the next one is your eyes are critical. Your eyes are critical. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, 22 through 23 says this, The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In the context of this passage, Jesus is saying three things to us. He's saying, keep our eyes fixed on God. Keep our eyes fixed on God. It's God is God the one, the light that is filling your body? He's also saying, take care in what you look at. You know, the things that you look at are going to make an impact on your lives. And then he's also saying, are your eyes leading you in the right direction? It says, if then the light is in, that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? I'm not quite sure how to say this next acrostic, but go ahead and pull it up. Gigo, gigo, what goes in goes out. That's from Pastor Kent. What goes in goes out. You know, think about it. The things that go into us a looking at God's Word, a looking at the beauty of creation, a looking at the brokenness of people and having a Christ-born compassion on them. When we look at those things, good things well up in our hearts and our minds, and it flows out of us. But when bad stuff goes in, that comes out as well. Just the other night, my wife and I were watching uh, one of the debates between the two presidential candidates, and it was amazing how after we watched, there was just an agitation that both of us had, and it was almost like we were on the verge of getting in a fight uh, because of just the, the battle we witnessed happening there. Think about pornography and how that destroys our image of intimacy and our ability to just love one person. Uh, think about horror movies, right? Last night was Halloween. Now, I have to admit, I am a wimp when it comes to horror movies. I have zero desire to watch them because I'm a scaredy cat, okay? But I think about the images that they put in our minds sometimes. I'm like, why would I want that in my mind? I want to sleep, for crying out loud. Um, but think about what goes in your mind because what goes in comes out. Now, this last week, uh, the small group that I'm part of uh, we dialogued, or I dialogued with a couple of friends over this passage, and we were looking specifically 
at that last sentence that said, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I never thought about this before, but what if the light in us is really darkness? What if we feed that? You know, Satan is the father of all lies and he, lies, and he would love to deceive us. And I know that there are some attitudes that I have carried and some thought processes that I have owned over the years. And it hasn't been until recent years that the Holy Spirit has revealed into, to me just how sinful some of those things were. Now, thank God the Spirit helps us become more and more aware of those areas in our lives, in our thought processes, in our actions, our sinful actions, in our sinful words, how hurtful we can be, how those things are not God-born. But the good news is He has never done working on us. And it's part of what God's Spirit does, revealing those things in our lives uh, where we are hurting others. I mean, I, I was thinking about maybe, maybe you believe, here's the darkness that might exist, maybe you believe that God could never forgive someone like you for something that you've done in your life. Or maybe you believe that our guide could never forgive or love someone who did what they did to you. And both of those are lies. Uh, years ago, I was part of a church, and the pastor was preaching about light and darkness, and we were meeting in this community center, and the community center, the worship center, had absolutely no windows. And so um, he's preaching about light and darkness, and he had to shut off the lights, and the, and the room went completely dark. You couldn't see anything. And we sat there for a few moments as he was sharing a few things, and then he had one of the doors open from the outside, and it was a bright sunny day outside, and a ray of sunshine came in through that door and illuminated the whole room. And as that happened, we could start seeing one another, and we could see what was going on. But then if you looked really closely at that be beam of sunlight, you could see the little dust particles floating around in the air there, things that exist in this very room that we just don't see until they're illuminated by the light. And that's what the light of Jesus does. It illuminates those parts of our lives that we don't even realize are sinful, and He wants to sanctify us and bring us uh, into His will and His ways and His love and redeem us and change us. The other cool thing when we listened to that sermon, and as I pondered on it, when they opened up that door and they let the sunshine in, that light illuminated the room. But then I got to thinking about the fact that if I was outside in the parking lot that was in the sunshine, as they opened up that door, that darkness had absolutely zero power to diminish the light that was outside on its own. And that's just like the power of God. Our God and His light is so incredibly powerful. So your eyes are critical. May the light of Jesus fill your eyes. And then Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word serve up there actually uh, means slave, like you a slave. You cannot have two masters. So either, either I can surrender to the allure and power of money, letting money boss me around, or I can surrender to the ways and love of God. I can let money direct my life, or I can sing, I can sing, I can serve King Jesus, 
who went to a cross on my behalf and your behalf and gave each and every one of us eternal life and his love, those of us that put our faith and trust in him. So do you want to fly? Do you want to fly? Fast and pray appropriately. You'll fast for God. Make the focus of the fast your relationship on God. Lay up treasures in heaven, putting greatest value on eternal things. And then your eyes are critical. Fill your eyes with the light and love of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as I think about uh, these passages, as I think about uh, fasting and praying, changing my life, pausing to just be with you, giving up something so that I can focus on you. Um, you do amazing things through those scenarios. You help us see things we wouldn't otherwise see. Uh, we have an opportunity to be directed and hear from you uh, when we get quiet with you, and we just invite you to speak. And Father, for each of us as we think about where we're laying up our treasures, um, Lord, you have blessed us as a community and a people in amazing ways. But the most important things are being with you, God, and being yours, God, and bringing others into relationship with you. And so help us bring up there, down here, Lord. Help us, help us be kingdom builders. Father, wherever we're at on the spiritual journey right now, whatever we're wrestling with, whatever we're facing, whatever obstacles we have. Help us to be people that just get quiet with you, that seek your will and your guidance in every single aspect of our lives. And help us to live lives of love for you and with you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.